0: So hello everyone, uh, my name is Claude Schreier and uh, I'm nervous because uh, there's, uh, this is a very important panel for me and for the panellists and I think for everyone. We're talking about um, the climate emergency, we're talking about IPOC uh, artists and their uh, important contributions uh, past, present and future. So the panel is called National Cultural Policy and Arts in Response to the Climate change, to climate change. And for those who don't know, uh, this is a gathering called Divergence Multi-Arts Festival and Conference, Art in the Time of Healing, the Importance of IMPOC Arts in Planetary Renewal. So uh, I was asked by Kevin and um, uh, Charles Smith to um, moderate this panel, and I was happy to do so. Uh, And what we will do is hear from the three panelists, ten, eleven minutes of of short presentations and then engage in conversation. I see there's uh a number of people online. Well welcome everyone. So I'm going to introduce you guys in a minute but I, I just wanted to also mention that I'm a podcast producer and uh, I've gotten permission from panelists to uh, to record this end of Simpamo as well uh, as episode 92 of my podcast uh, and I just recorded one this morning with Keith Barker who's the artistic director of the space that we're in which is Native Earth Performing Arts. So that's it's an exciting package that I'm going to be publishing in the next little while including hopefully a conversation with Charles this afternoon and yes uh, a couple days ago with Shannon Litzenberger so um, documentation is really important you uh, Kevin and uh, Charles you just talked about that and even though not so many people are here now uh, I think this uh, this trace is really important so I'm really really happy to to, uh, to talk about these issues because I'm passionate about art and uh, more recently about climate change and and all of the related issues of climate justice and so on so um, what else can I say the um, the land acknowledgement that Parul Pandya—I uh, hope I pronounced her name right—was uh, lovely this morning, and I won't repeat it. Um, but uh, it's really important for me everywhere I go to know where I am and who I'm speaking with and what is the history. Um, and so we are on Tukaronto and Treaty 13 territory. And uh, land acknowledgments uh, are not uh, meant to be uh, uh, lightly taken or lightly given. Um, they're. Uh, important in particular today because we're talking about the land. We're talking about our climate, our environment. So I, I just wanted to uh, do my own land acknowledgement in in that sense of, of um, thanking the Indigenous people of this region and across Canada for uh, everything that uh, they do. Um, so climate, art and climate, it's, it's not an easy topic. I spend a lot of time... Um, um, thinking and writing about it, and uh, it makes some people very nervous, and I can understand that. There's an uh, echo anxiety that people have that can be painful. Um, but I wanted to start, before I pass to the panelists, I, I've, I just yesterday I published an episode, no, 89, um, which uh, is a co- co- short quotation by Nigerian uh, writer and poet Ben Okri. Some of you might know him. He was a Booker Prize winner, and he wrote an article in The Guardian on November 12th that just Oh, I don't know what word to use, um, it touched me deeply. It's called artists must confront the climate crisis. We must write as if these are the last days. And he talks about uh, how we are on the edge of the biggest crisis that we have ever faced. Most people know that. Uh, some people aren't feeling it yet. Uh, others are literally feeling it because of where they are geographically in the world. Uh, and that we need a new philosophy for these times, for this near terminal moment in the history of the human. So Okri thinks that we are going to have to have to be new artists to redream it, and those are powerful words. New artists to redream the world, and I think that's what this uh, whole event is about: is together, how can we rethink the world that is unfortunately falling apart. And what he suggests is uh, what he calls existential creativity, to serve the unavoidable truth of our times and a visionary type of ex- existentialism, to serve the future that we must bring about from the brink of our environmental catastrophe. We can only make the future from the depth of the truth we face now. So I encourage you to, to read uh, all of his, uh, his article uh, because it's, it's, uh, it's quite powerful. Words can change minds, they can transform societies, uh, words and art. So let's jump in uh, to the issue. Uh, it's complex as I said and uh, what our panelists are going to do is, is give different um, presentations. I think Santi's going to talk about her art practice and maybe her worldview. view. Um, uh, Anthony's going to talk about his work in policy which is really important because if you're going to change the world you have to actually change the institutions that are running uh, our, our systems. And uh, Devin uh, Hardy is going to talk about tools that they're, constru- they're, they're building and, and how um, we can empower ourselves with uh, measurement tools and, and other ways. So those three perspectives I think will enrich your understanding. Of some of the issues because we won't cover them all today, and then we'll have dialogue. I see there's there's quite a few of you online. I'm happy to receive your questions um, through the chat, or if you want to just turn your mic on and and, and speak, um, that that would be great because we have uh, until 12:30 or so, so a good chunk of time. Um, we'll speak in English. Mesieurs des questions en français, I can translate. That's, I'm happy to do that. Um, and I want to, just before starting, uh, acknowledge that I've, I had a really good conversation with Shannon Litzenberger uh, a couple of days ago, and she was uh, moderated another panel here on Wednesday, where she talked about state of emergence, why we need artists right now. And I just want to connect a bit the dots between her, 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 the presentation she gave and the panelists uh, talking about the precarity of artists, and um, what, what is needed from artists now, what, what the world needs from artists. So there's a tension there on uh, how do we uh, ensure that artists have the resources that, that they need to address uh, issues as complex as the um, climate emergency. I know they can, uh, it's just a question of, of capacity. So, so Shannon raised two questions in her paper and I'll just put them out there what would it mean for a society to ambitiously mobilize artists to do their most essential work well and fully with the aim of catalyzing transformative change catalyzing transformative change and her second question is could the chaotic domain of the artist's creative process be fertile ground from which a healthier more sustainable system of cultural production can emerge so keep those in mind uh, uh, and we will uh, come back to them because i think they're they're all um, Valid questions in particular. How does it apply to the climate emergency? Santee? How are you? <laughs> can you hear me? Good. You. All right Well, we've known each other so I'm just gonna introduce you briefly people can read your bio you're a well-known artist but uh, for those who don't know um, you're you're um, from uh, your from the Ganyahaga Nation, and you live in Six Nations, and I think that's where you are today, right? Yeah. Okay. And you're also you're also the, you know, I, I, I was so impressed, you're the artistic director of course of uh, Kawahi Dance Theatre, but you're also the Chancellor of uh, McMaster University right now, which I, I think is uh, um, wonderful thing! Thank you for doing that. So I, I won't introduce you further because I think people can 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 read more. Um, but I invite you now. I, I invite you to present, talk about your work, uh, any anything you want to talk about art and climate, and um, and then um, we'll take it from there. So San- Santi, the floor is yours.
1: greetings everyone. Uh, my name is Santi Smith. And I am from uh, Ossweigen, which is also known as Six Nations of the Grand River. And I'm that's where I am right now in my home. And uh, thank you, Nyaho, for inviting me to be part of the panel. I think it's really important conversations and uh, important what we do as artists to um, uplift people's consciousness to a lot of things that get sort of glossed over in our daily lives and to activate our minds and our hearts, uh, which is the purpose of all of our song dance ceremony is to make a mind heart connection. And that's what I hope to do through my work at Kahawi Dance Theatre and my other projects as well. So I just wanted to, for this, because of the topic about the environment, um, it's uh, really um, coming from a... or an indigenous perspective, which is um, The environment and sustainability is an integral, if not the founding process of how we view the world. Interconnectedness, um, responsibility as human beings to be caretakers of the earth, to be forward thinkers about what we do now will affect seven generations later. And that has always been our understanding since um, we can remember. Uh, and it's written in, into our uh, wampum belt designs and our pottery shards and, and all of those things that are encoded knowledge is that what I am using today and what my family has used uh, uh, to understand our, our responsibilities. So the work that I do through uh, recently through Gahawi Dance is a piece called Skana. And Skana uh, means um, peace or balance in 'in Gaengeha, the Mohawk language. And I really, uh, for many years, have felt, and through my work, addressed balance. And that the fact that the world is quite out of balance, that our society, even within our Onguahonga community, is off balance through obvious colonial implications and and residential schools and loss of language and all of those things, um, denigration of women. And uh, so SCANA literally uh, is about bringing, how do we bring ourselves back into balance in a world that is out of balance? And as well, I wanted to address climate change. So we set the work in uh, 2025, 2020, 2050, uh, in the future. And uh, post-climate uh, catastrophe and um, and uh, the story of two Ongwehoi um, um, women, an auntie and a niece who have to flee floodwaters and return to our homelands. The Gaengahago homelands uh, where we lived many years um, is in Upper State New York. And um, the foot of the Adirondack Mountains. And then so we, in our In our story, we flee to a bunker camp in upper state New York in high in the Adirondack Mountains and try to rebuild a community. So it was also then about how how can we rebuild a community based on our fundamental understandings of how we lived with the natural living universe and how we respected the natural living universe um, in the belief of our ancestors. So it's not necessarily a new philosophy It is returning to um, revitalize the standing ecological um, balance philosophy of our ancestors and bringing it into the current and the process of that. And in the story, there's climate refugees, climate survivors that come into the camp, and we have to integrate them in, but they have a choice. And this is the other thing that's all linked into our understanding of um, Guyana Legoa, the Great Law. Um, which is the foundational uh, philosophy way of life of everybody is as an individual has free will and choice, but that does not negate them from the, the sense of community. So what our choices affect community and that's understanding our kinship relationships with every living thing in the universe. And so that's part of everybody and, The refugees had to come into the camp to agree to accept to live in peace, agree, accept to live in balance, and only then could they be integrated in. And so there's challenges with that. So some characters don't want to live in peace and balance, and what do you do uh, in that case where others are not? am wanting to align or real realign to uh, a peaceful way of coexisting in, in, um in honoring balance. So that is um, part of that work is just to bring awareness. So I feel the, my, my work artistically creatively is about sharing perspectives. And this would be a perspective of how, how do we live in Skana? What is the important thing about Skana? And also, um, Our process. So our process is land-based. We have worked in the Adirondack Mountains um, and really unraveling and experimenting and exploring what does it mean to align with land in our bodies, in in physicality, in our emotions, in our and our uh, minds, and our hearts, and our body. How do we listen to land? And so many of us have been disconnected to what that is and what how how we do that and how do we connect. That that was a huge part of our creation process is to return to our homelands and um, start that process, which is uh, durational, it takes a long time. And I'm just beginning, I'm just beginning to explore what that is. So that's really important. And then to honor Indigenous um, dramaturgy and, and our models of creating, which are also respective, respectful for land and um, humanity and our kinship relationships. Uh, so I'll just share, if I can, technically, um, my, a little clip from Skana. And if it doesn't work, I can share the link. Um, this is a little sort of explanation context further and you get to see some clips of the um, of the of the uh, can you see that Lay? Kahawi Dance theaters performances share our perspectives, Indigenous mindset and experiences, stories that are ancestral, relevant, thought-provoking and visceral. Skana is no exception. Scana is a post-apocalyptic indigenous futuristic adventure that reminds us of the importance of living in a reciprocal relationship with the living universe. In 2021, we are in the midst of unprecedented climate changes at irreversible devastation to life. We are living in a world careening further out of balance with dire climate change projections that will impact every single human being, every single living being, The concept skana translates from Gaengehan to mean peace or balance. Our production skana is an attempt at rebuilding balance and reestablishing a traditional way of life. The embodied storytelling is set in 2050 at total environmental collapse, mourning the loss of life and home and and anti-inmies flee from the community of six nations to gayengeha, traditional homelands in the Adirondack mountains. For me, the most personal aspect of Skana is addressing grief held in the mind and the body inspired by our condolence ceremony. The experience of working in my ancestral homelands was a grieving process, grieving with and for homelands, trying to listen and respond to her. Skana has a sense of urgency, which parallels the looming urgency of real life climate changes The question, how do we reestablish community after environmental collapse? How do we listen and align with land? What are the actions that we need to take now to help the next generations? The cultural and environmental content is applicable and important for all to hear and to think about. Because there is no planet B. (laughs) That, that's just a, a little clip uh, and um, we produced this during um, the pandemic. Uh, we were uh, scheduled to premiere a year ago in a theater in St. Catharines and we ended up because of the work that we were doing in land, placing it outside in Burgoyne woods and um, in making that connection to land, uh, thinking about sustainability as well. A lot of the, and sets were things that we acquired like tree branches and um, some of our uh, 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 props were like um, organic materials. So that that became a part of the process as well. Um, And then I just want to finish uh, further talking about this, um, leaving Skana and then just thinking about the work that I am interested in. Moving forward is having to do with how do we plan our activity as an organization through the Howie Dance Leader in a way that is um, addressing and falling into line for traditional ways an ecological calendar, what we are recognizing the cycles of the earth and bringing that into every function of our organization. So we're in that process of now of um, transforming how we work as an organization that is very much Owe home and not following your Western standards or status quo or falling into status quo processes. And, um, and then this past, because of, as a result of the pandemic of being home, I became a, a, um, impassioned gardener so i created a 360 sunflower stage uh this year for performance and as a way of cultivating land and the uh and really trying to well embody land work with land cultivate land um be a custodian of land, and, and and then also integrating that into my work. So that's a really important step for me, which I will continue to do. And this summer, we have two other venues creating a 360 sunflower stage for us, for which we will go out and, and perform in their space. So I feel like um, this nurturing and cultivating and transforming our understanding of where performance happens and also being able to share artistically um, important messages is, is, uh, is what I'm passionate about. So I'll leave it there. Now I go. Thank you.
0: Uh, Santi, I just wanted to, to mention that I'm so impressed that, uh, well, I so look forward to that work, to see it, you know, alive. And uh, hopefully we'll tour uh, with the challenges that we have in touring now. But Um, Also, just to see how you change the operations of your company or how they reflect how what you do in day-to-day operations also reflects the work you're doing on stage. I think that's uh, something that we we all need to think about. Uh, It's not just a question of creating works about climate or or the environment, but it's actually changing the way we do do everything. Um, And so anyway, thank you so much for uh, your presentation. Now, there's a couple of questions for from, from Charles, who's right up here in the audience here in Toronto. Uh, I almost want you to ask them yourself, but I, I can read them out. <laughs> it's probably easier. Uh, I'll start in the order in which they were received. The first one is to Santi, and you've read it, but I'll just read it out for the recording. How do you envision non-Indigenous artists working with Indigenous artists around the issue of climate change and Indigenous practices of care for the land?
1: Um, yeah, uh, I think that... Um um i'm interested in collaboration so that is uh that is a part of it is finding the partners who who are sort of the similar mindset and who are ready to collaborate um and i'm actually looking for people as we were talking here i'm sort of jotting down notes of because it's come into our conversations with our um with our team uh, and our advisors about who, who are potential new partners that don't necessarily, they're not necessarily within the arts organization, they're outside in the community who have align, alliances in, um with the type of work that we're doing. And one of them is working with land. Um, so it's not an indigenous, it's not a non-indigenous organization, but I'm, I'm just thinking about um, locally here, Uh, We have an organization such as um, Guyana Say, which is an ecological restoration um, initiative on Six Nations, who also partners with other um, um, non-Indigenous organizations. So I'm in the process of reaching out and saying, how can we collaborate? Um, For example, I have our home property here where I grew a stage and I'm really interested in that that type of um, um, how can we we share um, um, and support the work that we're doing and also bring people into that in an interesting and creative way uh, that will, you know, sort of get this um, messaging out but also activate people a little bit more. So I'm interested in that. And then others who are... Um, who are aligned as well? So, as I mentioned, the um, sunflower um, performance. Uh, there's a there's two organizations who are uh, creating, planning on building sunflower stages for us. They're non-indigenous, and then we would do um, performances within the, the sunflowers, uh, and then also that just brings a, a different. Awareness to performance and working in land and cultivating land and the importance of pollinators and those stories uh, that really come from this land um, about the sun. Sunflowers are indigenous to this land and our ancestors cultivated many strains. And so there's many intersection points. Science. What's what's the science behind behind that? And um, also. what else? We insert, We haven't done it in a while, but we, and I shared that link, the title of it though was um, Inviting the Land to Shape Us. So it's really, it, that goes into a creative aspect of, um, I did a workshop and one of the last one I did was in Mexico, in Tepoztlan, and artists of varying backgrounds, embodied artists came and I led a workshop called Inviting the Land to Shape Us, which really um, takes the flip side of uh, the individual being the creator. And I have the idea and it comes from from the human and it really then just goes to um, opening and accessing our awareness so that land informs us. And we are informed by natural patterning natural shapes the energy the natural energies that really exist in everything and which it exists inside of us as well and so opening our our ways of uh, ways of working and um and then i'm interested in also working with companies if we're you know i'm really fascinated by what everybody's saying. Uh, and thinking about growth so that actually goes into w- working with other people. You know, we've got on this sort of exponential growth and I've been, I've been um, in contrast to that. It was like more productions, bigger budgets, more things, more. And that's what, you know, that, that trajectory of, of, of rap growth, even uh, rapid or continually growth is, is not sustainable. And then, And that's how it filters into the company is like, I'm interested in, you know, a wave formation where we are replicating natural patterns and everything that we do. So aligning with people uh, and and finding those people, because I think it's at early stages for for myself and um, maybe for other companies as well.
0: Santi, I'm just like really curious about your process in terms of... um Thinking about operations, right? The operations of your organization
1: that, you know, the organization came into existence through the same kind of you know not-for-profit structure that's uh you know in the art sector. And I love the proposal of thinking about how an arts organization and its operations can reflect this interrelationship with land. And I just wondered if you could share a few insights into the process so far about that. Thanks. Sure. Um, I uh, we're currently going through this um, transformation of moving everything towards um, operating through Ongweh and Neha, which means. Um, moving everything, everything that we do from our planning to, uh, what we value is, is from a online perspective. And so, um, it's been evolving over the years and, and really now it's the time to like make it happen and put it into our, our planning. So we've gone through a, a research phase and we just finished in October a community consultation phase with, um, our friends in, um, Community members who who came together to talk about Kahawai dance theater, but from the framework of how can we transform the organization and um, and uh, and so it was, It's been quite quite an interesting process. But but for me, it's really about um, looking at those what I mentioned at the beginning with Skana, those fundamental understandings of how to be a human being, which come into you know. Um, the Nguyen Confederacy is the first and oldest democracy, uh, true democracy on Turtle Island. And so we have already established very well governing systems, protocols, um, relation collaborations, diplomacy. So it's looking at uh, the Guyana Legoa, which is the great um, good, or also known as the great law, um, and, and aligning with all of those values that we, we had. Um, in that, and the other elements, which is Skana, Gansan Statsurla, and Gatnikolio. So it is a, a way of looking through uh, our, our his, historical understandings and practices and diplomacy and governance and moving that right into the organization and, and the implications and framing everything from that mindset. And it really is this change of mindset, which we've had as the organization and artistically going through, but really just putting that into um, putting the mindset down uh, as this is how we operate as a uh, as an organization, what we value, and also then following our programming to be uh, also um, seasonal, following ceremony, following practice, um, what you could call an ecological calendar, and um, and bringing that also this just brings awareness of everything that we do is in alignment with what's happening in our, in our natural environment. Um, framing that uh the greatest teacher is our environment so that when if we have a problem or we have solutions that need to happen that we're looking to um natural solutions um, as our ancestors did and yeah so it's it's quite uh um fascinating and interesting for me and and the people who are um looking at this and looking through language So when we say looking through language, that means um, that it's not just conversational language, it's language that is ceremonial or heightened language that uh, really gives the perspective of how we would have viewed the world, which is also very interestingly action verb based and metaphorical. So that I've used that in my creation process of language, then um, guiding um, the work because it is so much about actioning and and then so then moving that into the organization as well. So there's a lot of work to be done and um, I'm also fascinated by indigenous um, what they call now indigenous permaculture or basically it's the understanding of natural patterning and um, and not only in choreography but in how we operate as an organization that we need to be Choosing um, processes, structures that are um, re- uh, replicating natural natural patterning. So that includes how we make decisions, uh, what we build, three sixty sunflower stage. You know, so that goes <laughs> into uh, all of that. Um, and then, the, so there's lots of work to be done. Uh, I looked to other people. I was trying to share the links, so I was trying to find it. Other our, other indigenous artists who are already working in this way, um, Roxanne, Roxanne Schwenzel has the uh, Flowering Permaculture Institute in um, New Mexico. She has some amazing uh, YouTube videos talking about patterning and our understanding of patterning and, you know, how indigenous cultures have always replicated our, our natural patterning. You can see it on the rock paintings, all the way into basketry, to the, the pottery designs that we we had is becoming an alignment with the natural. Uh, patterning is wellness, is wholeness mm-hmm. And we can't be well in, unless we are in that uh, sacred alignment with land. What actually, if we can message that we will be well as individuals, if we align with land, then I think, you know, people are always searching for wellness. <laughs> how do We be well, how do we be healthy? Well, this is a great, this is a way to be healthy is to make your alignments and to support that in society.
0: Thank you, Santi. I'm going
1: uh, to share that link. I'm going to keep looking for
0: it. Yeah, please. And if not, we'll, we'll find a way to get it to uh, those who are here and those who are interested.